Welcome to episode 555 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right, team, welcome along to episode 555 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Isles. How you going, mate? I am good, Bevan. Uh, you must have been loving what happened at the Oscars yesterday. It was just chaotic. Poor bugger. Chaotic. Poor bugger. It's yeah. a horrible moment, isn't it? It is. Yeah. But if you're listening to this in 20 years March from now, this, or April or something Everyone like will know, this will always be one of those Oscar things that get talked about, John. But anyway, I Am Talk is proudly brought to you by... Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. Your lactic buffer. And our patrons. And these include some amazing people like Sean the Body O'Brien. Oh, the Pied Piper. Ethan has that one. Matthias. Matthias, okay. Finn, the Professor Zwagger, who's racing in the ITU Maxi race this weekend in Abu Dhabi. What's a Maxi race, John? So they've got the ITU series, which I'll come to later on. But they've, So they've got an age group race. I think they've got a sprint, an Olympic, and a Maxi, which is 1.5k swim, 80k bike, 20k run. It's going to be a real challenge on that bike. It's really loads of U-turns. 80k run. So, 80k so, ride. But it's, only, but it's only 1.5k swim. Yeah, and 20k run. Huh. It's an interesting... Hmm. Interesting format. What's so it? kind of close to a half. Yeah. Yeah. Odd distance. But why, why, why wouldn't it just do a half? Because they've got to tie it in with all the other races that are going on. You know, mm. 20, t- 20 yeah, 20k okay, laps or whatever yeah. it is. Okay. Uh, and then we've got Simon Early. He's ma- motor mouth. He was on uh, Camp Kiyakara in Kona. He wasn't. Well, he, he, he camp light even. Sorry. And sorry. if you want to come to Kona in May, still at Spaces. Okay. Lock it in. Come along. You won't regret it. Also Trotter. Yes. Why Trotter? Well, he's a fast runner, and so I think I gave him Trotter, but I think you might have given him Motor Mouth. Oh, it's Motor Mouth. Come on, Simon, you know it's Motor Mouth. He's laughing right now because he knows I'm telling the truth. I'm speaking the truth, John Newsom. Okay, in this week's show, we've got some news. We've got a hot topic of the week. We've got an age groupers mm-hmm. of the week. We've got a statistic, a pretty interesting one. And then we've got Emma Mackey. So this was a bit of follow-up. and I, this um, You never should listen to just one single person. Like I, Most of the guests we get on here I are never absolutely to you. fantastic. <laughs> um, but we had, obviously, Gary on, was it last week or the week bit before? Week so before old Gary was. Talking about icing and, and the anti-ice guy. And uh, I want to get another opinion on that. And Emma has actually done her master's in this area. So, uh, her we'll, master's was called To Ice or Not. Yeah, so, so. we're going to find out some more, just a see what she says, whether she supports what Gary's saying. And also, I was, what I was keen to get at is some practical applications for you guys when you're out there training. So you actually go, okay, what am I actually supposed to do if I get injured or for the best recovery? We've actually got a title now for Wanger of the Week. We have. So what I'm going to oh, we'll go into Wanger of the Week later on. Wanger of the Week. Okay, Wanger of the Week is coming on later on the show. Weekly. Week. It's a weekly thing now, is it? Yeah. And if anybody's, but you seem to have quite a few. Oh, no, I'll explain that when we get there. If anybody's a really good artist or something, maybe... If, if you can come up with some image and we can maybe, you're allowed to display that on your Facebook page saying for a week if you are the wanger uh, of the week. Okay, yeah. But let's, uh, wanger of the week could, be, could go bad, John. I know it could. So an artist with, with we, we don't mind a bit of comedy in there, mm. but discreetly. Yes. We don't want a big wanger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no one's ever going to put on their Facebook page. And then we've got some questions and answers at the end. Okay, John, well, it's a big week in New Zealand this week. It's all everyone's talking about, even on like, the Sunday night news, they had a piece on Terenzo, so they're getting the PR out there really early. So Ironman New Zealand is coming up this weekend. It's an exciting time for many of the listeners and many of the Kiwis out there. So Jombo, 
Looks like we're going to have a pretty good race. We did, and we had a fantastic race last year. Cam Brown took it out in record time in 8.07 from Joe Skipper, 8.09, and Callum Millwood, 8.10. It was an awesome race. Meredith Kessler crushed the girls' race uh, by about nine minutes over Lucy Gossage and Carrie Lester. So great racing last year, and I'm thinking it's going to be pretty awesome racing this weekend as well. We've got a stacked guys' field, but the girls' field is awesome. Now, a, a number of these girls are I don't think I've ever seen so many female pros in, what, in New Zealand. Well, it's just, just it's the strength of it as well. As well. You know, we've got five girls here who are legitimately, you know, potentially top 10 in the world sort of athletes um, on, on their day at, at races. Some of them haven't you know, necessarily performed awesomely in Kona, but uh, elsewhere. So first up, Meredith Kessler. She had a you know pretty ordinary day in Kona. She's, she'd been um, sick, but uh, yeah, if she's on Meredith Kessler, Ironman New Zealand form. Well, she's, she's won the last be, five. She's going to crush it. Yeah, she's she she is the current man. She got sub nine hours here last year. That's all on that course. That yeah, is that awesome. is phenomenal. So she's predicted to come in a 904 on Torsten's rating. Carrie Lester, the machine from uh, Australia, who had the fantastic race in Rote last year and also finished in 10th in Kona um, last year and is expected to come in second, 912. Yvonne Van Vlerken, obviously she's doubling up from uh, Challenge Wanaka, so she's pretty good often at doubling up. But She did push pretty hard in Wanaka. She did, yeah. and if those other girls, you know, it's not like Yvonne's way better than the other girls, you know, if they're on fire... You'd think she might struggle to, for the win, mm. but uh, certainly will be will be right up there. And Laura Siddle, who also had a great race in Wanaka, is seeded fourth. Annabelle Luxford is is a dark horse. If she she had an amazing seventy point three a few weeks ago, and mm. her biking's really strong. She's going to be f- probably first out of the water, or if not, her and Meredith Kessler will be together. Uh, but she's yet to prove herself at, at Ironman distance racing. And then you've got uh, Emma Billum. She did Wanaka, got Wanaka, third. got third. Uh, and then you've got a, a string of, you know, sort of what we call second-tier pros, but still good, strong athletes. Um, Jocelyn Corley, she was the fastest age grouper in Kona a couple of years ago. Um, Kate Bevilacqua, she's won Ironman New Zealand. Or maybe and she won Ultraman, was, didn't she? Yeah, she won yeah. Ultraman. Um, Madison McKenzie. Won Ironman New Zealand. I thought she, I remember her having a really good battle with Joe Lorne. It may have been one of the no, years when they had a she half. she hasn't won it. She's in the last since two thousand and five. Although Torsten hasn't got two thousand and six here. Um, it's been Joe Lorne, Gina Crawford, Sam Warner, and then Meredith Kessler. But maybe two thousand and six she got it. Well, I'm going to go to you. You maybe start telling us a bit about the guys. Well, the guys' race is is, is pretty fantastic as well because we've got Ma, uh, Marino van Hauenaka. And I think he's a real interesting case right now because he's mm. not the peak athlete. Well, no, it's not fair to say. He's not racing Kona anymore, and I wonder if he's lost a bit of edge because of that. Um, because he's definitely one of those guys who is one of the greater ones not to win Kona. And he had himself in a position in quite a few races to maybe potentially win that race. Cam Brown is the dominator of the dojo in this race. Has he won it 12 times or is it 11? I think it's 11. Still, just unbelievable, man. Yeah. He's just an absolute freak. Uh Aging, but at the same time, you'd never write Cam off in this race. Terenzo had that big race in Western Australia just before Christmas, which was a bit of a confidence builder for him. You know, he's never won this race here. It'd be, you know, obviously for Terenzo, this would be the race outside of Kona that he'd want to win most in his probably his calendar. Marco Albert, he's won here before. Yeah, a few yeah. years ago. Yeah, so he's, he's, Great he's day. you know, Cyril, um, Cyril Vinod. Vinod, he's, he's sort of been, I think, as high as fifth in Kona. Yep, Mark Busted. Mark Bosted, he, he he won't be in the in the mix in terms of winning the race. But then you've got like Braden Curry, you've got Clayton Fatale, 
Yeah, no, it's a solid field. We've got Philippus. Yeah, Scott Philippus up there. Guy Crawford, he'll be in the mix on on the bike. You know, he's improving. Um, Rosie. Graham O'Grady, you never know what you're going to get out of him. Uh, so, yeah, fantastic fields. $80,000 US prize purse, so not bad as far as Ironman goes. So look, that's the thing. There's so many dimensions to the guy's race, you know. Marino, you'd say, could bike. potentially go and blitz everybody on the bike, and he's he's just class. He, he, he could just run away with this race. Cam Brown, you expect him to be nice and steady. This is his peak race for the season. Terenzo, he's been racing quite a bit already. Whether he's had enough break, if he can replicate Western Australia, he'll be on fire. And the other guys, you know, maybe they're coming off the Northern Hemisphere season, so they might not be on fire. But still, we know if you're top five in Kona, no reason why you couldn't run away with this race. So, Braden, do you think Braden's in the picture? Oh, if he hadn't done coast to coast, I'd say yes. But he did coast to coast, so I'm, I'm, I'm sort of leaning towards saying probably not. Okay. Um, so quick, I went on to sportsplits.com. I love this website. Uh, and just to check out Kate Bevilacqua, and I couldn't find her winning Ironman New Zealand. But I do remember her going head-to-head with Joe Lorne on the run one year. And I'm just trying to find what year that was. But, uh, yeah, she she wouldn't expect her to be in the mix for the win. But she's and we don't hear of now. I know Joe Lorne's had a kid and all the rest of it. Life's different. But we don't really hear much of Joe nowadays, do we? No. Uh, she won Ironman Western Kate Bevilacqua won Ironman Western Australia all the way back in 2010. Uh, she won Ironman Louisville in 2013. She had third in Challenge Taiwan, so pretty accomplished athlete. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a great race. I just hope we get some really good coverage out there. They also added in the 70.3 this year to some people's disgust. Now, can we tell how many people have they got entries on there? Not a great deal. Saw Ian Wood at the pool this morning. He's doing the, the half, and uh, he said, you know, 120, 150, something like that. Okay. It was very late notice to do it. And that's what bugs me is, you know, you play by the rules that they set up and if people go and do the 70.3, good luck to them. I'd go and do that if I was preparing for another race later on and, and they said, oh, 70.3, I'd say, oh, well, it's just down the road. I might go yeah, and do that. Um, but I just think that it's just a money grab. That's what annoys me about it. And uh, and you, ca- you change the rules once everybody's entered the full and stuff and I don't know, it just doesn't seem right to me. But it doesn't change the rules of the full. Well, but I, I'm really intrigued to see how it's going to, how the how the seventy point three athletes are going to be treated, and also what's the time frame? Is it like Wanaka where they start at nine? No, you see that's different. I think they're going to get they're going to get caught on the bike by the pros coming through, and that's my concern is the pros are going to be coming through at forty k an hour, and the, the tail enders of the halves are going to be going twenty five k's an hour. It's a reasonably easy course to get past people, I guess. But yeah, I'm just it It's a total money grab, and mm. it seems like an afterthought. Mm. You know what I mean? Like if you wanted to do it well, you'd announce yeah. it for next year's race. So exactly. it's, it's curious. I'm curious to see why they had to rush it. Mm. Like, oh, you know, like it's you know, back in the day, Ironman was always an Ironman day, and they mm. never had any other races around. But in this recent time, Challenge brought out kind of multi races, and it seems that Ironman are moving towards more of let's capitalize what we can make out of this day. Which is cool. I, I have no problem with that. But it's just interesting how it was very much. It was just for Christmas, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was, it was not that long ago. And there was no details until a few weeks ago in terms of start times and things like that. Yeah. So, so it, it just seems a bit odd that they wouldn't go, you know what? Let's just get it in place for next year. Market it well. Sell it the whole triathlon day. Ironman's a part of it. You know, it'll be interesting to see what people think. Does it take away from the experience? And for those doing the half. What's your experience Yeah. Like? Is, is, it, is it, you know, because we do 70.3s. Is it like doing a 70.3 or do you feel like the second class citizen on the day? Mm. So hopefully there's going to be some great coverage. It's on Saturday for us over here. Long range forecast was looking pretty good. So yeah, 
good luck to you guys racing Ironman New Zealand. Okay, just yeah, and all the age groupers are racing. Absolutely kill it. Okay, John, but it's funny, it's a person with a bit of a funny one here. So an age grouper, a female age grouper has been done for doping and it's an age grouper, they, they name it, don't they? Holly Bell- Bellow. So she tested for a prohibited substance and has accepted a four-year suspension. That's pretty harsh. It's a, yeah, I'm, I don't know. I'm not 100% up to speed. I, I normally thought it's a two-year suspension, but four years. Yeah, that's more than what a lot but of pro athletes get. It's an intriguing one because she um, tested positive at a sample at the North American Championships in Texas, which took place in, uh, in May. And then Bly's sample tested positive for the presence of a testosterone and or its um, metabolites. According to Ironman, which has confirmed the isotope ratio mass spectrometry, lots of big words there for me to oh, get yeah. through analysis. Yeah. I've been thinking about this Noted morning. Miss um, Bally did not apply for a um, TUE, a therapeutic use exemption, and Ironman's investigation included information provided by two former athlete support personnel who had worked with Miss Bally, as well as facts gathered in cooperation with the US Anti-Doping Agency through their investigation. Ironman confirmed that Miss Bally was aware of the inherited risks associated with her conduct and proceeded knowingly to take the prohibited substance. And it just seems, I, don't, I think like a lot of the people, I saw a bit of anger on Facebook around this. I just don't get taking drugs and for age groupers. TUE, now if you're an age grouper, and the TUE is basically you take drugs because it might be sickness mm. or, you know, lots of pro athletes get the TUE. Yeah. Um, would you even think to ask for a TUE? Uh, I, like let's say, let's say I've got a doctor, I've got some sickness and in, in, in my, you know, subscription from my doctor, mm. there's going to be some kind of steroid. And, you know, I'm sick, so I want to get better. I'm still an Ironman. I wouldn't even think to approach Ironman to say, look, I'm taking this... If I was just a Joe Bloggs doing this for fun and just uh, back of the package, just, and it's not really important, then, I mean, it's still really important, but then you might be a bit clueless. But this person here uh, was the all-world Ironman champion in 2014. Yeah, so she's, she's decent. She won, she won um, Texas. She won her age group. Yeah, so I'm thinking, I'm thinking she probably knew. It seems doing. like people kind of told on her as well. People mm. behind the scenes knew. Mm. So you know, we don't know the whole story, but it is interesting. You know, this therapeutic, therapeutic use exemption, I'm sure there's many top age groupers who go to the doctor, get some drugs to help for sickness. Oh, absolutely. And are technically under steroids. Yep. And you'd never think to approach WTC or yep. Wonder Sports and I'll say, that. you know, and go, oh, by the way, I'm taking this drug. And hmm. and then if you got done, you look really bad. Mm. So it's but a funny precedent. In this one here, it says... She was made aware of the inherent risks associated with her conduct and proceeded to knowingly take the prohibited substance. Yeah, I'm so, with you. Why would you cheat? Yeah. Anyway. Well, this, then there's a, there's a funny bit because you know, oh, good old Ed Hawkins, Ed Hawkins <laughs> who was in the thread on so Twitch, who had, had an article linking to an article that this Holly created a, a, a what is it, a change.org. Change.org is a big website in America. It's a government organization, I think. And... Oh, maybe not. It isn't, but basically, you basically put petitions ahead for different things and try to get attention towards the petition. And Holly, how do you say her name? Balog. Oh, take a guess. I yeah, said Balog. Um, Triathlon World Organization stop illegal drafting at Ironman events. <laughs> so she just irony. Did, she got seventy four, ninety four people supporting her. <laughs> oh no, she got six. So she didn't need more. She needed ninety four more to get to hundred. So she she likes to fight for the rules, John. There she you likes go. to fight for the. <laughs> 
Okay, so uh, I'm in Florida. So it's Ultraman been, Florida. Oh, sorry, Ultraman Florida. Yep, it was a couple of uh, weeks ago. We had David Hanish take it out, 32-year-old. So this, the format of this one is the same as Kona, um, the Ultraman World Champs. You do your swim, bike, first day. So you swim 6.2 miles, bike 93 miles. Day two is your big kick-ass bike ride 170 miles and day three is your double marathon so he took it out um swam 301 on the first day and rode 411 which was you know in the same sort of ballpark as a few of the other guys and then uh day two unleashed on the bike and put around about 30 minutes into rode for 747 and, and that's then, pretty much the day really well, that, that won the race yeah and then the, the third day he ran the same more or less the same time as second place ran a 708 um, so it's three thirty marathon. That's it's pretty pretty fair. Oh, that's smoking when you're yeah. doing fifty four miles. Yeah. Would, would you do Ultraman? No, not not really that motivated. I'm no. One, you, one you day you crazy crap. Sorry. Is it just the running that put you off? Um, because you've ridden yeah. hundred and seventy miles in your life. I don't know. I, <coughs> it hasn't come up on my radar at this stage. Okay. There's plenty of other things I'd like to do before that. Something like a triple T or something would come come for me before this. Uh, and his total time was 22 hours and 8 minutes. And he had a victory by uh, 20, 20 23 minutes over Mark Pui. Pretty close Pavilion. racing, but so then between second and third, there was only two minutes. Oh no, it's an hour. Yeah. But the thing, third, <coughs> sorry, third and fourth, only seven minutes. Fourth and fifth, only five minutes. So, you know, there's a little bit of close racing in there for an event of this long. And and the girl side of things, Steffi Steinberg, took it out in 24 hours, 55 minutes. She finished 11th overall. Jessica Anderson was 13th overall. Uh, She was a few hours behind, 27.10. And third was Jamie Harris in 28.05. How many finishes they have? They had uh, 42, 42 finishes, two, only two DNFs. It's a pretty low DNF rate. Yeah, it's impressive, isn't it? Mm. Okay, also coming up, we have John's ITU update. The season kicks off this weekend oh, in Abu Dhabi. Yeah. And John, one of the big hitters, well, the Brownies aren't there. The Brownies aren't there to start with. Um, so it's still... You still get really amazing racing when the Brownies aren't there, but it's just different racing. Rather than them dominating off the front, you're kind of looking at that dynamic between Mario Moller and uh, Richard Murray. They're the fastest runners. We had a guy, uh, Blumenfeld from Norway, who really stormed onto the scene late last year. You've got Henry Schumann as well. Um, so it should be some fantastic racing, but it'll be interesting to see if, a, if without the Brownies out there driving it, whether a front group gets away and stays away any longer and whether they still win the race or whether they get run down. So it could, could still be some really cool dynamics. It's a pretty, well, it's a flat course over there, reasonably technical, um, so I'm intrigued to see how it goes. So that's on the guys. Gomez is the oldest man in the field. How old's Gomez now? So Gomez is born in 83. What's he going to be? 34? 34-ish? Yeah, 34-ish. Do, don't you think you should be doing Ironman, Bevan? Thomas Spring. Well, don't get me started, John. <laughs> don't get me started. You're wasting your time, Gomez. I love you, but I'd love to see you in Kona this year. Um, so Gomez was born in 83, but a lot of 90s kids here, I tell you. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it's a young man's game these days. The, uh, Lawrence Thanos. He's 85, but yeah, Gomez is the oldest man in the field. Yeah. So one thing that intrigued me is, is three athletes from Syria racing. Oh, wow. I mean, this is a bit... ITU do a fantastic job of... And, and then they're required to, I think, by the um, Olympic Federation of just developing 
all these different nations around the world, putting coaching resources in place to, to help those countries. They're often not doing things in, in the islands and in Asia and what have you. So, yeah, three Well, it's, it's funny. I know a coach in Australia, a guy called Peter Clifford, who's, who's a good coach over in Australia, and he does a lot for the ITU. He goes up to, like, Papua New Guinea mm. and all the islands and all around that area and does lots of coach development mm. and athlete development, and it's, it's really great because he's having quite a big impact on, you know, and it's bringing people like this through, isn't it? Mm. Which is great for the sport, and then they'll bring the next generation through. They might not make it to you, but at least it's you know it's getting people active, getting people into the sport. So you got Syrian athletes, you got Portuguese, you got Russian, you got South Africa, you got Norway, Netherlands, Mexico, Luxembourg, Kazakhstan, Japan. What's J O R? Is that Jordan? Probably, crikey, uh, Italy, Hungary, Germany, Great Britain, France, Spain, Belgium, Czech Republic, Austria, Australia. We got any Kiwis in there? No Kiwis on the guy's side of things. Well, they're saving themselves, John, because they want to they take on the Brownleys. They're like, we want proper competition. We don't yeah. want no second-tier field. If the Brownleys aren't there, the Kiwis aren't there. So no Brownleys, and then on the girls' side of things, no Gwen Jorgensen. So she'll be out for the, for the season, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I suppose she could make a comeback towards the very end of the season, I suppose, but probably pretty unlikely uh, so Flora Duffy well she won last year anyway she's uh, the top seed you got Aida uh, you got Katie Zaveris and Andrea Hewitt and Jodie Simpson so some good girls there so it could be some nice close racing um, not the biggest girls field it's first race of the season you only got 32 athletes on the start line uh, normally you know for girls you're getting you know 50 plus and the guys are usually sort of set around 70 mark or so um, but uh Good luck to all the girls racing. Well, it's a f- pretty interesting stuff, John. The prize money in the ITU have actually gone up this year. Oh, God, they do a good job. Oh, yeah. They put the WGC or Wanda. I'm yeah. trying to get into the habit of saying Wanda Sports. Right. It's a shame, don't they? Yeah. When we look at how they've inflated their prize money in the last 40 years, yeah. you know, like there hasn't been a lot of inflation, whereas yeah. ITU. So at like a times. World Championship Series race, you get $18,000 for first place, and it pays down. Actually, got numbers there, but I'm picking about sort of 20, 20 odd deep, pays a thousand bucks or so for around about 20th. Um, but the thing that motivates the athletes to make sure they're going hard all the time and they're going to um, as many races as they can is to get their points up for the bonus pool because the bonus pool. $83,500 for first place and it pays down, I think that might be about 30th place, 2250 And so you've got to remember that A, athletes are usually going to be getting compensated by the national federations to be at races, so the prize money they get, they'll get to keep, and so they're pretty highly motivated to finish as high as they possibly can on, on the, in that circuit. And, uh, and then at the, the grand final, uh, it's thirty thousand dollars for first, and pays down to I'm picking that's around about twenty fifth place. So it pays quite deep. Yeah. So it, mean, it means up and comers can actually make a living, can't it? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, yeah, you're not you're not going get, to be getting rich unless you're in the top. Uh, but you can develop yourself. Yeah. And, uh, and the depth and the supporting of the series. And this is why the KPR is not going to really kick on in a big way until people are motivated to actually finish high in the KPR. If you said, right, $50,000 on the line. To, to Wonder Sport. It's a different game. And you can't race as much. Mm-hmm. Unless you put 70.3s in it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you know, like how many people can race more than two or three Ironman in a year? Yeah. Yeah. So. Unless, unless it is just championship races. Hmm. Hmm. Um, John Bowie, what's happening with the ITU season? So, 
give me two seconds. See what there, good lead in. Nice. <laughs> good good my job. I know yeah. my job. Yeah. So we're starting off in Abu Dhabi, and I guess the exciting thing for us is we're going to go from Abu Dhabi, and then we're going to have this uh, this new race over in Australia that Mac is behind in yeah. the middle of March. So that's going to be intriguing. And it looks like I had a look; it's going to be live coverage on the internet. So Great. It's has to be Kiwis and Aussies and. Europeans as well. The timing's going to be great for us. I checked. I think it's going to be six thirty at night on Friday, oh, Saturday, okay. Sunday. It's perfect. And so no, you, party time. Yeah, you Europeans. It's even better because you can get up on in the mornings and do your training while you're watching it because it'll be sort of you know between five thirty and seven thirty in the mornings. So fantastic stuff. So we start off in Abu Dhabi and then we're going over to Gold Coast at the start of April and then over to Yokohama in May. So all those three courses are pretty flat and um, then we go to Leeds where you've got a few hills in there to help break things up at the start of June and then Hamburg is usually sprint distance race in the middle of July, Edmonton thankfully they've brought that forward into July so it's not going to be hopefully a frostbite festival and then uh, Montreal, I don't know what they're going to do at Montreal, when they used to have the race over there it was at the Formula One circuit so hopefully they're not going to use that because that really does become a bit of a uh, bit of a pack ride and it's a bit of a... It's funny isn't it, I was watching, I was on at the treadmill a few weeks ago and I was doing a run, you know you got a TV screen and they had a cycle race within one of the F1 formula lap. Oh, that would have been Abu Dhabi. Yeah, and yeah. It, it didn't really work for me. No. It, it, you know, I think it's a so novel wide. idea, but it was kind of just a bit boring. Yeah. Yeah. Big wide roads, no scenery. Yeah. Like, I, I get, you know, this is cool and innovating, but it actually didn't really work. Mm. Mm. Uh, then we go to Stockholm, which is a good little grunty course, and then the final this year is in Rotterdam, where they haven't had a race for, for quite some time, so I've got no idea what sort of course they're going to have over there. So that's your season. It's, you know, it's roughly one a month um, a couple of races in July but the rest of it's all sort of one a month and uh, a good long season I do hope that ITU start innovating a bit more they they, they teetered with it there, you know that a little while ago yeah, that, that uphill triathlon yeah. and you know I'd really like to see you know we've got two four six have we got there two four six eight nine nine rounds when you go five rounds traditional four rounds we get you know a bit innovative and uh bring some excitement in there in different formats. So but I wonder if Super League will actually have an influence on them. Like if the Super League, like I really hope Super League's a success. Mm-hmm. You know, not just, you know, for for getting people interested in triathlon. Because if Super League can lead the charge here a little bit and do well, it's going to kind of show w, I mean, to ITU that maybe they should be doing more of this kind of exactly. racing. Because I'm way more excited about Super League than what I am about mm-hmm. the ITU calendar. Mm. So, you know, bring it on. Okay, Jombo, a sponsor. Athlinks.com. Yes. It's on there the other day, but probably one of the best things I like about Athlinks is you can go on there, got all your results, but then you can sort them by half Ironman, by 10K, by 5K, by Ironman, by whatever diff- different distances you do. So you can go on there really quickly and go, you know, especially if you're a long-term athlete and you're going, buddy, how, you know, I've done... 15 Ironman races or whatever and you can only remember the last uh, last couple you can go on there and it's all sorted in one place you don't have to go off to 15 different websites you don't have to find results that have no longer exist because the event's fallen over so keep all your results in one place you can get on there and sort them try to reminisce a little bit about the, the good old days and see if the, any of the old timers that you race in those early races are still about and uh, keep all your results in one place so check it out athlinks.com
Yeah, definitely, guys. And, and it's that one thing you won't regret doing. It's one of those things that you kind of know you should do, but mm. you, sometimes you forget. But then when you do do it, you don't regret it down the line. Exactly. It's just each time you do a race, flicking your results. And as the time goes by, you'll be really good, especially when you're old. Because yeah. when you're old, you know, the old younger stories really come through. Exactly. You know? And I, you know what my latest story at the gym is now? Because I'm old at the gym now, John. Yes. I'm an old man. Because at the gym, I'm nearly 40. And yeah. Well, my big class, my body attack class, you get like 120 people in the class. And admittedly, it's, it's mostly, mainly young females, really. Yeah. So that's why my, you keep going. My, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> um, it's my job, John. Yeah. But uh, but my latest saying is, party on wean. Do you know that? Sorry? I go, party on wean. Do you know that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah and yeah. they don't know what I'm talking about. Oh, really? <laughs> they have no idea what Wayne's world is. And I just go, party on Wayne, party yeah. on Garth. And uh, so it's just a little inside joke for all the old people in the class. Jumbo, discussion of the week. Last week we had a great discussion, actually. The discussion was what were some of the things that supporters or, you know, just people on the side of the on the course have actually yelled out to you when you're running and um, in a race and maybe some of the funny things or just things that have kind of lifted you up. I actually put, there's something special about running through a crowd in a race. So this week we thought we'd ask you, what are the best things you have heard from a crowd in your racing experience? And this was partly born out of me, <laughs> me giving people uh, support in, down in Wanaka. And Belinda said, do you know that person? I said, no, not really. No, oh, I don't. You've got to give love, but. But no, more I was giving Technique trying advice. to give a bit of technique advice. <laughs> You're a coach. Saying, uh, you know, come on, pick up, pick up your cadence there or just lean forward a little bit. Chest up. Get those arms pumping. Because we were standing with about, at the place, about 3K to go or so. And she said, do you know those people? I said, no, no, I'm just trying to. I remember them. Pete Jacobs was winning Ironman Kona. Yeah. And he's going along. And Houston goes, mate, Pete, you need to bring this up or something. And after the race, he said, John telling me that really helped. So yes. you told the world champion, John. Yes. And you helped him. So I'm just saying, if John Newsom gives you advice, even if you don't know him, listen. Uh, Simon, well, on racing. Simon Trotter early said, uh, one thing he doesn't like hearing, he said, nearly there when I got out of the swim at Ironman Copenhagen. <laughs> nearly there. <laughs> That's gold. Yeah. Good old Patrick uh, Walkington. During Ironman UK, a large-breasted woman was shaking a huge pair of maracas, how do you say that? Maracas, yep. yeah. Uh, at the runners. I jokingly shouted out to her, what a lovely pair of maracas you have there. She shouted back, and these are what your balls are going to look like tomorrow. I had no reply. <laughs> Scott Green, 3K from last year's road to finish line, and someone uh, said, time to start running. Everyone is waiting for you. Oh, nice. Good old Richard Swan. Got, when I was running the Christchurch Marathon and suffering, I was told, you're beating John Newsom." <laughs> that was motivation. <laughs> um, Pam Morris, being told you are first place in your age group at the start of the run. That is going to motivate you. Oh, yeah, great. and put pressure. Mm. Lucy Francis, I once made a big poster to support my friend Rick Woolley at the London Marathon. It said, piece of cake, meaning uh, he was finding the race easy. Other racers kept asking me if I could have a piece of cake. <laughs> Spent the whole time explaining there was no cake. <laughs> That's gold. Greg Irving, it's okay to cry, but not to walk, unless you're doing the run-walk strategy. And it's scheduled. Okay, nice. Good old, just Rick then went on put the picture. Piece of cake. That's gold. That's a good story. John Muncy, uh, 2013 London Marathon, 39Ks into the run along the embankment just in front of the Big Ben. The guy running by the side of me wearing it all white runs off to the side of the road to embrace his family before continuing, at which point I hear his brother say, oh look, Richard shit himself. It's <laughs> <That's> not good. <laughs> wearing all white. That's why you don't wear all white, guys. Norman White, Iron Man Korea, instead of ye yelling, Go! Um, they scream fighting, and I have to look around to see if someone really was fighting. Oh, really? 
Um, Pete Githens is my first half marathon. As I passed a group of spectators, I heard a small boy asked his dad, these aren't the fast runners, right, Dad? <laughs> That's a bit harsh. Uh, uh, Brent Chan, in the last two to three Ks of marathon, I like to remind them that A, that's their easy day, or B, you can do anything for 10 minutes. That's good. I like that advice. That's yeah, I do advice. like that so you, can only do, you can do anything for 10 minutes. That's sort of breaking it down into a nice little bite-sized chugment. Good old Matt Young's got a picture from the Gold Coast Marathon a few years ago, and a guy's holding up a sign saying, and he basically looks like he's wearing nothing, but he's got a sign over his private parts. And he's got, run faster or I'll drop this sign. Okay. Uh, I mean, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for some really constructive ones. Most people are trying to be funny here, which is, uh, which is all good. Uh, Bevan, picture yourself in. No, I don't think I, I don't think ever in a race someone's given me advice that's helped me run the race better. Mm-hmm. I've had lots of people you know, support. What would you want to hear? Like, say you're you're into the final. You're running a marathon somewhere. You're into the final ten k. You're suffering like a dog. What do you What do you want to hear from somebody on the sidelines? I don't, to be honest, I think I know my mental processes nowadays. So mm-hmm. maybe because the thing I use the the question I use is what's the wisest decision I can make right now to get to the finish line. That's, that's, you know, and, and whenever I'm racing, I try to sit in that affirmation just pretty much the whole race. So that as, even in the first part, because that question has different answers depending on where you are in the race. Mm-hmm. And so, like, um, although this wasn't a race, I did the, our epic run a few months ago, and it's a pretty hard mm-hmm. run. And I tried to treat it like a race. And the last part, it's just crazy hill running. And, and I just kept putting that, what's the wisest choice you can make? And it's kind of all about intensity. So for me, if I'm asking that question, I know I'm, making the best or at least trying to make the best decision so that works for me um <clears throat> no the thing i when they first started putting names on bibs yeah that always confused me because people <laughs> would just start saying your names yeah and it, nowadays we're probably used to it but i remember i can't remember what race it was i was doing i was doing some race and people were just going bev you're doing great mate and i'm thinking who's that <laughs> you know, it just kept taking me out of the race yeah I'm, I'm i mean i'm very process driven as well but i love technique reminders and i guess that's why I try to impart those on people when I'm supporting them is, you know, when you're in that final stretch, you know, your mind is battling to keep going. You're trying to keep a certain K pace and that, that sort of haze is starting to come in. If someone says, you know, pump your arms or lift through your core or, um, pick up your cadence a little bit, then those are things that I'm trying to remind myself of, but they can sometimes get lost in the haze. uh, So that's why I I tend to try to give people technique advice. If someone's yelling out, go, 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 it's not like I don't like them saying that, Mm. but um, it kind of just gets... Be more constructive is what John's saying. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Be more constructive or be funny. Mm. So you're going to help them or you've got to get a smile out of them? Don't be a smart-ass. No, um, no, but not funny. I had a smart-ass comment out just go. when I was finishing. Tell me. Um, no, I'm not going to say it. Because it was just... Oh, I know the one. It was inappropriate. Inappropriate. <laughs> inappropriate, smart-ass. John was a bit fired up about yeah. this one. Well, it was two comments, so it wasn't just one. Uh, there we go. This week's discussion. So we, we have been talking about the ITU. It kicks off this weekend. So we just kind of wanted to know... Who you think is going to win the series this year? So not just an individual race or even just a championship race, the actual series for the year. And who are going to be the breakthrough athletes from 2017? So some of the names that, you know, we think of the when Brownlee came out, you know, his first year he was... I remember his very first race where I noticed his name was against Chris Gemmell and Chris Gemmell beat him by, you know, in the final couple of hundred metres. Yep. And I think that was, to, I'm pretty sure that was after the... 
2004 Olympics, never heard of this guy before, um, and uh, and Gemmell was on fire, and I thought, oh, I wonder who this is. And next Gimmel, thing Gimmel, you know, Gemmell was saying, look out for this dude. And next thing you know, he's been dominating since. So, so we want to know who you think is going to win the ITU series, and maybe some athletes that you think are going to be breakthrough athletes. Like maybe we'll see the next Brownlee in this next kind of period of time. Mm. I think that's going to be really fascinating because I do think we're going to probably go see the next generation star come through in this next period of time and what that means for Brownlee's career like will we see someone of his ability or maybe even slightly in front because he's still young enough Brownlee but you know well you got the younger Brownlee he's going to be around for ages yeah but he's not he's not Alistair he's not no so um okay uh Jombo some music some music here we go Age Grouper of the Week. week. Oh, groupers. I thought we'd better give a bit of love to the Challenge Wanaka athletes who went out there and did the full last week, especially when we know a few of them are listeners of the show. So first age grouper in Wanaka was Adam Wilson in 9 hours and 31.45. And I'm pretty sure Adam was the one who came up to me after the race and said, G'day, listen to the show. So he swam 55, rode 5.01 and ran a 3.29, finished in 10th place overall. And then second place, he took out one of the Aussies by three minutes and beat out Sean Ralph. And then third age grouper in the 40 to 49 age group was Arnold Sulikov. Pretty sure he was, I think he was first age grouper last year. He did 9.46. So you got to see, so, you know, Arnold said he wasn't in, um, wasn't in top shape, but, you know, you got to remember he, he went sub nine in rote. Yep. So that shows you, you know, how much of a challenge um, Challenge Wanaka is when Dougal Allen went 8.26 for the win. And, uh, yes, yeah, so that's our top three guys. And then on the girls' side of things, we had... Amy from New Zealand was first age grouper overall in 10.53, followed by Diana Fuller and Naomi Shinkins from Ireland. So New Zealand first, Australia second, Ireland third. And... They did 10.53, 10.59, and 11.01. So good work, you top athletes down in Wanaka. Okay, good times to know. Well done for those people in Wanaka. Good work. Go do that race next year, guys. It's a bloody good race. Okay, start stastic. It's fantastic. fantastic. So a couple of weeks ago, <clears throat> John was talking about the, uh, the the Australians dominating short course in the late 90s. It was when they had their to Uncle Toby's, was it? Yep. Uncle yep. Toby's Triathlon Series and Nutrigrain. Was it Nutrigrain? Oh, they had different sponsors. They had Uncle Toby's, they had St. George. They had the they beer. They had uh, Toys Blue, wasn't it? Toys Blue at some stage, so they yeah. had a few different sponsors. So, and this was when Australia was just dominating the triathlon world, particularly in the females. And so John, oh, and John pulled guys. up. Yeah, but they had listing at the time, didn't they? So they weren't yeah, winning true. the World Championship as much. But um, 1999, the World Championships, so we thought we'd just have a look at some of the results. John... Where was it held? It was held in Montreal, and this was the one I watched it actually on the ITU website the other day. I've been working through when I'm on the train. I've been working through some of the past world championships. So I really would encourage you guys, if you're stuck on the trainer and you want some good content, triathlonlive.tv. 
obviously for this season will give you rights to be able to watch the racing this season uh, and they do it's all stored on there in terms of watching replays so you don't have to watch it live but you can do um, but then it's got all the old world championships so I went back from I've been going from 1989 uh, and I'm up to about 2000 or something like that and there's some gold footage in there but this year the Australians absolutely crushed it you had in fifth place Joanne King who and then fourth place Michaeli Jones third place Emma Carney second place Jackie Gallagher wow. first place Loretta Harrop, Harrop five Australians taking the top five places which is just ridiculous it is ridiculous isn't it yeah and this is at a time when, yeah, triathlons moved on a lot since then. You know, it's a very, as I mentioned earlier in the show, very multicultural start list. You get different, you know, lots of different athletes from different countries around the world doing well. But uh, back, and this is this, but this is still the year before the Olympics, so things were, were coming on. It was getting a lot more competitive. But they just killed it. Very impressive. Must have been awesome for Australia at the time, eh? Mm. And did, they didn't win the Olympics, did they? No, no, you had Bridget uh, McMahon took the girls and Simon Whitfield. In fact, uh, Michaela Jones did get second. Because they got they one, have, they one, one medal done for drugs the next one year, didn't she? six, yeah. And so going into that year, they must have just thought, well, we're going to clean sweep the Olympics. Absolutely. Especially with the likes of Gallagher and Carney and Michaela Jones. who are So who, were the, who were the ones that actually went to the list of Because when, when you got five. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm thinking it was probably Michaela Jones that's the thing. It was bloody hard to pick, and there, there was court cases and everything. Was it really? I'm thinking it was McKay. It was definitely McKay Jones because she got silver. But I'm thinking it was probably one that's not on that list. There, she had a bike crash. Was uh, come on, John, you can do this. Um, not Loretta Harrop. It was uh, bloody name eludes me at the moment. Um, it's great podcasting. Great podcasting. <laughs> I thought I'd be able to find a name in that. Nicole Hackett, Nicole Hackett. Ah, Newsom comes through again. Because she won the world champs in 2010, and I think that might have been a selection. 2010? Yeah, they they did some late selection. 2010 for the, no, 2000 you mean? Oh, 2000, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think she might have got in, and I'm going to say that the third person was probably Loretta Harrop. So then, you, yeah, you, or it could have been Jackie Gallagher, but I know Emma Carney didn't race. Because no, didn't Jackie Gallagher blow up? Remember we interviewed her and she said she trained too hard for it and then... I can't remember. Yeah. I know Emma Carney didn't go. But that's the thing, you got five girls. But they missed Australia going into those Olympics, home Olympics. Mm. Five bloody, you know, top five of the world champs two years earlier. You know, just thinking, just give us the medals now. What's the point in having the race? Absolutely. And who were the men? Oh, they, were they, I think uh, on the guys. Were they, was, it, was it going into it? Did, yeah. And going into the Olympics, I know we're, we're doing back thinking here, but did you think Australia were going to dominate the girls? Um. Yeah, you did. Yep. The guys was a bit, you kind of thought Lessing would still crush it, but on the guys, but the same thing on the guys. The guys could have, for Australia, they probably could have picked from 10 different dudes. and Because uh, Mackie didn't get in, did he? I don't recall. I can't recall who got in. I'm pretty sure it was, uh, no, I can't remember. I think it was maybe Craig Walton. And, okay, let's see know. if I can find it. Australian, so I want to look up Australian Olympic team. Try yeah. Australian Olympic. You talk about something for a second. And it was in 2000. Uh, so what else have we got going? So that was in the, the 1999 World Champs. That was the year when it was in Montreal and it was around a racetrack and the girls race was great because they did get a breakaway of about sort of five or six and they managed to stay away. On the guys' side of things, it was the beginning of the end for Simon Lessing at this race because he got out sprinted by Dimitri Garg. You're running along and you're thinking, Lessing's got this 
done and Dimitri Garg just pulls out the sprint and uh, and away he goes. And then Miles Stewart was in third place. Miles Stewart was the king of tape of peaking for the world champs. He got lots of world champs medals. Him and Michaeli Jones uh, just seemed to be able to go to another level. Okay, I got it. So I'm going to say here we go. Australian, Wait, you, what girls did you say? I'm going to. I would have thought Mc, um, Nicole Hackett. Michaeli Jones and Loretta, uh, Loretta, Michaeli Jones, yeah. Three out of three for Newsom. Okay, so now the boys. I'm going to say Craig Walton. Yes. Come on, Newsom, you can do this. Was it Greg Welsh? <laughs> no, no, I'm going to take that as a no. Miles Stewart. Yes, come on, Newsom, one more. And Can I give, give you a clue? No, because no, I'll, I'll, okay, I'll give you a clue. Oh. It's either, I think it'd be either Chris Hill or Brad Bevan. No. Mm. Do you want a clue? Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, I'm going to say firecracker. That's your first clue. Firecracker. Firecracker. Think of how this guy raced. Oh, Peter Robinson. Peter Robinson! Yeah. That was a good clue, wasn't it? It was, yeah. 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 That's pretty good. Go. Five out of six for the Australian team. Who? Yeah. What were the Kiwi team? Uh, we would have had Hamish Carter. <laughs> We didn't have many good guys for 2000. Ben Bright. Who's Ben Bright? Never heard of Ben Bright. Yeah, Hamish Carter, Ben Bright. And I think Craig Watson raced. Uh, Craig Watson got a world championship medal. Ben Bright was a world junior champion. So that'll be on the guys' side of things. And the girls' side of things, we'd have Jenny Rose. No, we only had one female. Uh, maybe Evelyn Williamson. Yeah. Yeah. So you got you got it right. Craig Watson, Ben Bright. Never heard of Ben Bright. Yeah, no, he was good. Was he? Mm. And then Hamish Carter. Mm. And actually Craig Watson got the best Kiwi. Mm. 16th place and Evelyn Williamson never heard of her either 22nd sure she got a bronze medal at the 1998 World Championships in Lausanne well, I've never heard of her you wouldn't have it was just this amazing day I was there oh, watching really? yeah it was one of those days where you're a good athlete but you're not the top level yeah and she just went nuts magic yeah magic day and do much else other or uh, just that sort of top fives maybe top tens but oh. that was that was her crowning glory well, that's pretty impressive stuff okay John we, we need to pause because we've got an interview coming up so um, there we go we've got an interview coming up so we're back in two seconds and we are back and we just did a great interview we're actually going to put the interview up for you right now with a la young lady young lady Emma Mackey Emma Mackey and she's a bit of a legend John because she did a really good study on to call or not to call we had Gary on a few weeks ago and uh, we had a good interview there and we just want to get someone else on who maybe has done some more thinking and work on this here and she's also just taken on a pretty cool job Yes, so she's going to be travelling the ITU world. So it's good times for Emma. So here she is talking about the icing topic. Okay, guys, um, as we mentioned earlier in the show, we had Gary on a couple of weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, the anti-ice dude, and his presentation of uh, information was passionate. In passionate, passionate. And, and, uh, and I think a lot of people really enjoyed the content, but we did have a couple of emails saying his presentation was a bit... Different compared to what they used they to, um, but I really was keen to get some more information um, to either back up what Gary was saying or um, see if there's any alternate views out there within within industry. And so Emma Mackey, the legend that she is, has actually done a master's degree at the Otago University, which is one of our big sort of sports and medical universities in New Zealand and her thesis was titled To Cool or Not To Cool so you can't get much more specific than that. So Emma, welcome along to the show. Thank you very much. Can you maybe um, give us a bit of a bit of a summary about yourself first because uh, you're, you're an active athlete and maybe just give us a bit of background before we actually get stuck into things. Yep, um, well I'm a, a 
adopted Kiwi of um, Scottish roots, um, moved to New Zealand for, for what was meant to be a year, um, eight years ago now. Um, as there was no jobs available as a physio in, in Scotland, I did my undergrad at Queen Margaret University in Edinburgh. And I've all, always wanted to come out to New Zealand, so I thought, let's give it a go, and came out and got a job here, and haven't really looked back since. Um, I was a bit of a Jew athlete. Scottish people tend to stay out the water because it's too cold. <laughs> um, so when I got to New Zealand, I sort of jumped in and and you know tried to learn to swim and get used to the water and um, heard about this thing called Ironman and went to have a look at it. And you know the rest is is history, as they say. I kind of fell in love with the sport and started listening to your podcasts and four or five years later I ended up doing Ironman and, and got hooked as everyone else seems to be able to do it's a brilliant brilliant sport you know Fantastic. it's given me a great life over here now um when you go to sort of graduate level I mean I suppose at um, degree level you know you're doing a, you're doing a bit of research when you go to sort of graduate level um it's it must be a bit lot more full on and a lot more of your self directed learning and especially when you're doing sort of thesis and stuff. So where did you? I guess why did you choose this topic? And where, Gary was saying, you know, he spent seven years trying to gather all the information on the research he could find in America. So I guess what was your motivation into this topic? And where did you start? And where did that sort of lead in terms of gathering all the the reviews and and all the papers that have actually been done regarding icing? Yeah, well, I, I did my master's degree in um, distance learning. So I was working sort of 30 hours a week and training for Ironman and <laughs> doing a master's degree. So I think, you know, self-motivation was definitely a, a high high factor. But um, during one of my more self-motivated moments, I was reading a an article. Um, it wasn't, wasn't a medical journal or anything. It was just, I think it was in a triathlete magazine or something. And the guy that coined the term rice so rest ice compression elevation was a guy called Gabe Milgram and in 2014 he um, came out and said that his theory of rest ice compression elevation was wrong and that ice um, particularly around a soft tissue injury applying ice was actually going to be detrimental to the recovery of the muscle um, rather than prove beneficial um, and I just kind of was like well, well that, this was 2015 so it, this had come out a year ago and it hadn't no one had picked up on it. It hadn't changed mm. anything. Um, so I thought as I was coming into my last year of my master's that it would be a really good area just to investigate further um, and see whether, you know, if there were other more beneficial options out there that we could use. Did, did you find any studies that were kind of quite applicable to, to triathletes or the kind of injuries at least that triathletes would kind of go, you know, come across? Yeah. Well, to be honest, most of the studies were done on rats um because i think it would be a bit unethical to sort of you know break someone's leg or calf muscle or or you wouldn't find too many willing um participants but the ones that i did find were more um around a, a sprained ankle um and whether applying ice is beneficial to that um and they did and also um another study on using like an an air and a bike air but for your arms um, a guy called Yamini um, worked some participants to exhaustion um, using the, the, the arm erg and then applied ice to them as well to look at the tissue damage. Um, in, the, in the sprained ankle study, they actually found that, yes, ice did reduce swelling and pain, but um, it didn't really do much to the healing process. In fact, it delayed the healing process by up to 48 hours. 
Because you basically put a big roadblock up and all the good stuff, all the repair vehicles can't get through because you've you've frozen the site of injury. Mm. Um, And that was the same as well for the um, time to exhaustion. So the exhausted muscles had micro damage. You apply ice to them. It reduces the blood flow to that area. So again, your repair vehicles can't get through and start healing the the repaired, um, uh, the, the damaged muscle, sorry. Um, and that was shown for that one that the damage was still present up to two weeks later um, compared to those who had not had ice applied post-activity. Mm. So pretty pretty strong and compelling evidence for um, not using ice to recover, really. One of the areas that I know people probably would have liked me to ask, Gary, and I, I didn't really have the time to, to carry on for, for hours and hours, is around ice baths. You know, they're big when you, you go to races – people tend to you know, try to jump in ice as quick as they can or or jump into the lake or, or do whatever. So, or even those chambers now, you know, in some of the big American sports, they put them in. Like, chambers. Yeah, yeah. chambers. So um, obviously there's a lot of industry behind that and you, you can believe what you like about what the industry says, but did you find any studies around ice baths in terms of maybe more recovery rather than injury specific, you know, post-race recovery, is there much literature on that or was that outside your your remit of your, what you were doing? Um, well, um, no, I did find a few studies on that and actually my honours degree in my um, undergrad, I did um, contrast the effect of contrast water therapy on athlete recovery. Um, so I was kind of well versed in that going into this study, uh, going into um, my thesis. Um, but um, a couple that I did find suggested that um, in terms of muscular recovery, we possibly want to avoid cooling our bodies or cooling the, our legs um, because if we put ourselves in ice, we slow down that blood volume, we slow down that blood flow, so we slow down our meta- metabolic processes. So therefore, if you if you think about it as the best way to put it is if you're you're flushing the toilet. So your your legs are full of crap. They're full of lactic. It's all yucky. You want to increase a little bit of blood flow to encourage fresh blood through. So if we go and stand on ice, it's effectively a broken toilet and it just all sits there. It's mm. not flushing anything out. Whereas if we actually maybe put a bit of compression on and maybe go for a walk around or a spin around and keep warm, that blood flow is constant and continuous. So we're constantly flushing out all the damage that's been caused by um, by either our training or or a race. So, so the advice really is is stay away from cold. Actually, if, if anything, get warm and get moving. In terms of um, recovery, yes, yeah. ice baths would probably not be as beneficial as we might think in terms of recovery. But it certainly makes us feel better, and it gets yeah. our body temperature back down if we are a little bit toasty in New Zealand's lovely sunny weather. Exactly. So I guess um, for you, is it a, a relatively black and white um, issue in terms of advising people, is ice pretty much out for you or is there a, is there a place where it is, um, it is relevant? Um, well, I think what I wanted to prove with this study was that there might be other more beneficial options other than just the pure blanket rice option. Um so I don't think it is a black and white issue. I think there's definitely a place and a time for ice. Um, I think particularly if we have a, a real nasty, chronic arthritic red knee that's hot and swollen and angry, a little bit of ice on there to sort of calm it down and get rid of the pain is probably going to be more beneficial than, you know, no treatment at all. 
Um, I also think post-op, you know, um, when you've just come out an operation, it's, it's sore, it's swollen. Let's face it, you're not going to be towing the start line on Saturday. Mm-hmm. So there's not that speed and rush and urgency to get better. Therefore, ice might be a better um, solution to that problem at the time. <laughs> but if it's Richie McCall that, you know, buggers a hamstring running down running down the, the, the line and he's got another game next week, you might want to avoid that ice because you could delay that healing by up to 48 hours and get straight into that heat and compression and gently loading it in order to give him more benefit and um, speed up the repair process. Does so, so, that, that make sense? Yeah, so, so let's say I sprain my ankle tomorrow and it's swelled up. Hmm. Basically, compression and heat is what we want and, and ultimately starting to load it at the right level based on the injury. Yeah, you want to load it as soon as you can because that helps build the scaffolding if you like if you don't if you don't load it up the scaffolding can't be built and therefore it atrophies or or gets weaker quicker Mm. whereas if you can load it within your pain tolerance you're going to help restructure things a lot a lot quicker and then that compression just kind of holds that scaffolding together while it's cementing itself so one of the downfalls of us us athletes is is we think loading we think more is always better you know and so you're saying the pain threshold is what we should use as our gauge and and you know is there some kind of stipulations we need to put around that around well pain to a point you know like you get what i mean yeah yeah i think you've got to be you know if it's if it's a broken bone yeah, well, it's going to be very detrimental to that would be an epic an epic fail <laughs> be good if, if you could run 20k <laughs> yeah but if you you know if you you know it's just a sprain and you know it's a, a it's a, a relatively small injury then let pain be your guide the body can't talk the body is actually very good at talking to us you know it uses mm. pain as its way of saying oh too much or oh that's not right so you have to listen to that and get away with what you can by listening to what your body's trying to tell you. When, when it comes to warming, um, so rather than putting ice on it, say you've got a, a dodgy Achilles or, or something going on with your knee or ITB or whatever, and in the past you know you may have applied some ice there, um, what are your practical suggestions around warming? Is it like a hot water bottle or, or what, is, what are you sort of saying? What's, what's being said within the industry? Yeah, um, the best way is um, hot water immersion um, because you, you're, you're targeting the global blood flow rather than to a particular area. Um, so in a in a warm bath that's greater than I think greater than 29 degrees appears to be the most um, beneficial way um, and probably the safest way. Um, water bottles, you know, putting a water bottle directly onto an area is very um, specific and also it can get very hot in there so you've got to you know you've got to be careful you don't burn yourself and then mm. cause more damage um so you know a global warming is much safer much more effective than that targeted area is there time you know like i've got a spa although it's never it's always empty we never use it but but if you have a spa or something like that or you've got a bath at your home and you can get your temperature up to that are there time frames we're trying to sit in like you might go for a run or you might have a sprain or do you kind of you say it's 15 minutes, like in the old ice bath, we used to say 15 minutes, you know, tap water. So what's kind of the timeframes we are looking at? Yeah, most of the studies that I did in the undergrad and, and this one, um, certainly sort of that around that eight minutes upwards seemed to be where um, there was a, a, great, a greater effect. Anything less than that, it didn't seem to make a change. So yeah, I'd say anything eight minutes onwards would be, would be beneficial. And are you trying to load while you're heating? 
you could do, um, but that would, you know, simply be, you know, putting your compression on on a warm day and going for a walk. You're, you're still getting some heating okay. going on there. Um, yeah, but I mean, there's no harm in, you know, doing a little bit of maybe leg cycling when you're in the spa pool or, you know, even just standing on one leg, standing on the other, doing a few squats or something while you're in the in the pool as well, where you're just gently loading it while the heating um, is taking place as well. I can't say I'm looking forward to getting in my hot bath after doing the Kona 70.3. I think yeah, it's a no. great idea. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. After doing my long warm down in the heat, oh, that's going yeah. to suck. Yeah, um, no, just put your compression on and, and go for a bike ride and you'll be sorted. Now, if you're at a race and, and you're not close to a bath, putting compression on and then putting lots of clothes on, is that a good idea? Or Yeah, yeah, compression and then a pair of track pants. <laughs> Bloody hell, you laugh. <laughs> I'm going to finish my race. I'm putting my compression on. I'm putting my hat Looks on. Looks like he's going skiing. I'll, I'll spin, <laughs> spin back to the condo and then I'll go and sit in a hot bath and I'll, I'll take a, 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 Put a beanie. Under, underwater treadmill into my hot bath. Yeah, this, is, this sounds like a great holiday. And a bottle of electrolyte and you'll be sorted. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so I guess if we're looking at that rice side of things, so um, icing is... By and large, um, you know, n- not necessarily what we're, we're advising here. Um, rest, we're sort of saying, you know, you want to be trying to stay pretty active. Um, yep. but in terms of the compression and the elevation, where does that, I mean, you sort of mentioned compression's good. Um, yep. Where does sort of the elevation so it's sort of fit into the, the rice, um, yeah, rice? The, the 2.0 rice. Rice point 2.0. <laughs> yeah, I think um, elevation definitely, you know, has it has its place it's you know if we've got our feet up it's a lot easier for um blood to flow downhill than than uphill um so i think you know that would maybe come in you know when you're sleeping or if you're sitting down just to make sure that you maybe put a an old encyclopedia under your under your um mattress there's not much more use for that now we've all got these fancy apps but um put the big encyclopedia under your mattress so your your feet are just slightly more elevated than your your heart during the night um, and then again with your compression on that's just going to encourage that blood flow and it's going to make it a lot easier for that swelling and that blood to pump back up to your heart rather than if you were just lying lying flat or even if your feet were sort of angled downwards mm. um, why why does it seem that industries or you know that this is we're talking about this now and you said that study came out in 2014 or you know the guy that came up with rice came out in 2014 and said that um you got know it got it wrong and uh, ironically you know i did that interview with um gary and then the week after i heard on radio over here i heard another um group i think out of auckland that had done a done a study and pretty much was saying the same thing you know ricing is uh, icing is uh, delaying recovery so within sort of the the physical physio industry and um and the med- medical industry is this starting to catch on yet or not i don't i don't i don't think it is you know you you look at every time you turn on a a game of rugby or Mm. you know soccer or something they get injured the physio runs on with their magic ice spray or their magic ice bag and um, applies it to the athlete and they spring up and seem to be perfectly okay again um so i think i think it's just been drilled into us rest ice compression elevation you know it's it's easy let's it's easy to have a a, a chili bin full of ice at the side of a soccer pitch than it is to have a, a bin full of hot water bottles, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I just don't think the the education's there. It's not public knowledge yet, um, and ultimately, sometimes I think people are scared of scared of change. They're mm-hmm. not willing to to try it. Yeah. Um, so I think it's going to be a very very long long journey ahead to try and educate people that ice might not always be the best option. It might be at some sometimes. I'm not, you know, I'm not negating that at all. But certainly, 
um, medical professionals, you know, sports um, physicians, we actually need to start thinking more about what we want to achieve from our treatment rather than just, oh, yep, put some ice on it, that'll do. There's no actual evidence for it, but everyone says rice, off we go. Mm-hmm. We actually need to think now that the evidence is beginning to present itself. Great. Um, anything else that you found of, of interest when you were doing your study or anything that Gary said that you either want to, you know, say, well, this is this is my interpretation of that or um, yeah, anything else you got on the topic? Um, I think one um, thing that I did find quite interesting, um, there was a study that said um, – you know, if we actually apply, so during a game or, or during a run or something, you know, it'd be more during a soccer game or something, but if you apply ice to, say, a knee or an ankle or a, a sore quad or hamstring, apply it for 10 minutes, then jump back onto the pitch, you're actually more likely to do more damage mm-hmm. because you've put you've put yourself on ice, you've slowed everything down, you've slowed the neurological pathways, those messages, you've slowed blood flow, blood volume, um, you've slowed your proprioceptive mechanisms down. So you basically numb that area, you've killed that area, so it's more you're more likely to fall over again and do more damage or even strain that muscle further because you've applied ice to that area. So you're almost um, living in denial. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And putting yourself more at risk. Um so yeah, it's that's that's quite a strong argument for as well, you know, and and I suppose just the fact as well that if you do come off the pitch or you come off the running track and you put ice there you know, you're de- you're delaying that healing process straight away by up to 40 hours. That's two days where you could have had more effective treatment, but you've gone straight to the right the rice method because that's what you've been told. Mm. So, yeah, I think you know if I could strongly influence, it's about thinking outside the square rather than just conforming to the norm. Are you are you sensing a sense of resistance to the change in message? You know, because when we talked to Gary, well, John did the interview, but there was definitely this kind of, you know, it seemed like he'd been fighting this battle for so long, he almost had a bit of a chip on his shoulder, um, and understandably, I suppose. But at the same time, is that something you're sensing as you are trying to maybe put a different message out there? I think people are just hesitant to change. Humans are great um, routine hmm. people and, and conformists. And when someone steps out the square and says, oh, actually this... It, it's very hard to get noticed, yeah. especially when there's not that much, not evidence, but that not that much education out there. It's not being publicised yet. There's no substitute to rice, you know. It, you know, if we could find another term to suggest heat it, load it, compress it, then I think that mnemonic would get people going a little bit. But at the moment, there's just not that education done. We're we're sitting on it, but it's not been um, publicised yet. Fantastic. And anything you're up to yourself? I know because you rode uh, Length of New Zealand with a, with another girl last year, didn't you? Yes, yes, yeah? I did. Um, that we achieved that we we actually managed to raise eight and a half thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, unfortunately, I had a bit of an oops in um, in Wellington, and hit a hit a concrete bollard and and broke my collarbone. Ooh. Um, so I had to ride ride the South Island, which is extremely hilly and windy, yeah. um, one-handed. So that was that was tough. Definitely, I, I I found the limits of my human capabilities. I think, <laughs> but um, but I'm very glad to have done it. And you know, to say we've cycled the length of New Zealand is is a pretty cool achievement. How, how many days did you do it over? Like, was it like a hundred k a day, or did you had to break it down? Um, we did it over seven days. Oh, wow. um, so we did it as a relay. So um, my friend Marie, she would maybe do, say, six till nine. 
and then I'd do nine till 12, she'd do 12 till three, and I'd do three till six, and then the next day we swap round. Wow. So we were doing about 150 Ks each a day, so 300 Ks, Ks a day. Wow. Didn't, didn't quite keep up with that dude that did it last week in four days, just over four days. Really? Yeah, but he oh, rode goodness. more or less continuous, but he, he, looked, to, he looked like an ex-cyclist. Really? Yeah. Wow. He, he would it. have been a really good wheel to follow if I'd found him out there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if only. Nice. Um, now, if anybody, do you have any way that if people want to follow anything about what you do in terms of uh, a blog or anything that you produce, or, uh, or are you just sort of doing this in, the, in your own little world? Yeah, I'm just sort of doing this in my own own little world, really. Definitely, um, you know, I, in my physio practice, I try and push the push the the rice out the door a little bit. Um, so yeah, I think I'm just more trying to educate my patients that come into me that ice isn't isn't the only only answer. And, and where are you based? So, if there are any local listeners, um, I'm based at Hobsonville Physiotherapy, which is um, West Auckland. Very nice. nice. Awesome. Oh, good. Thank you very much for that. That's, yeah. I think that will help clear things up for a lot of people and good practical evidence-based advice, which we like to hear. And uh, so thanks so much for your time, Emma. Oh, thank you for the opportunity. You're a star. Pretty interesting stuff, John. It is. And it really backs up what Gary was saying. And um, it is, it's a big mind shift for a lot of people. Oh, big time. Even, Dave, just even post, post-run or post-training baths. Yeah. I mean, Dave Dwan, he put on the Facebook page the other day. It's thought-provoking. Oh. You know? Oh, provoking. So, Dr. Feelgood. I saw Dr. Feelgood the other day. Yeah. Yeah. He was good. He was looking, feeling, he looked like he was feeling good. good. Um, yeah, really interesting stuff. And it's interesting as a coach, you know, we have to shift our, you know, I, I give a lot of messages to my runners about ice baths and stuff like that, you mm. know, and so it's kind of like, oh, I've got to change my message now. Mm. You know, so interesting, interesting stuff moving forward. And it is that we probably are a little bit ahead of the curve in, in comparison to general population around this kind of topic, but it is one of those things we're going to see over time it seems that it will shift. A backup witness is it is bizarre when you see these professional, high level professional sports, you'd think they'd be onto this sort of stuff. Yeah. You know, you see people putting ice directly on the injuries when they're off the basketball court or off the rugby court. And those cryo chambers and yeah. stuff like that, you know. Maybe some of that stuff is there, they're actually heated, but it does it usually seems to come out of a chilly bin, so yeah. I'm thinking maybe not. But no, it's um yeah, great stuff. So thanks Emma for that. Okay, three, two, one, wanger of the week. week. We go from a serious topic <laughs> to something completely different. So we've got on uh Training Trends. Yeah, and I've actually put a link on our our website as well. Oh, great. I am talk. I'll just tell you where that is. And we've got a number of topics, a number of areas which is uh, sort of pulls that Strava data. Let me just see where I put this. Uh, where did I put it, Bevan? Support? No. Contact? No. I don't know. I'll, I'll find it in a second. Support, um, contact. I did put it somewhere. Gallery? No. Store? No. About. no. About. Down the bottom? No. Maybe I didn't put it there. <laughs> oh, well, we will put it there. It'll be on our website. There'll be a link on I am talk. On the drop down, we'll put it. We'll put it in support. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. So if you're on Strava, you can basically get as, as long as your information is public, it will then go up to a page that we've had uh, created for us, which is called trainedtrends.com/strava/imtalk, and on there we have nine different areas where you can try to get onto the leaderboard we have the active so that's the most activities in a week the long the longest activity the speedster the highest speed on the bike the slippery which is the most swim time highest speed on the bike 
past the chamois cream, um, which is uh, the most riding time, so the swinging, which is the most run time, the total duration, the Kona award, which is a 33rd in total training time in the week, and the small is the least amount of training time in a week. And rather than going through every single topic each week, I thought I'm going to use random.org. Each week, okay, each nice. Week and just pick out one area. So this week, the area is the long, so the longest activity. And... Ironically, we're going to have to veto the first person on the list because his longest activity was snowboarding. Snowboarding. <laughs> so, what are you, Chris Palmer? What are you doing, claiming snowboarding in Strava for seven hours and sixteen minutes? Well, I suppose you are. Well, is that, is that a day out? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, is that a day out snowboard? I don't know. I don't know snowboard? Do you snowboard? No. No, no. So, so Chris, Chris Palmer did take it out. Okay, you get it, but you don't get it. You, do. but you Mark, don't get it, Mark Settler. Impressive, middle of winter over in Switzerland, and he got out there for a six hour and 20 bike ride. Wow. So well done. And then third place was Melissa Uri over in Australia at six hours and 16 minutes. And they obviously took out both the female and the male categories. They did. And this week's wanger of the week. Wanger, you guys have got the biggest wangers. My, my only concern, John, is do we really want to be promoting the speedster? Well, <laughs> we do. Yes, because this week, a good old Rachel Cunningham. Rachel Cunningham, 77.4 downhill, or I don't even know it's downhill. Well, the, the thing with this, I had a look at this last week because I was getting the notes and stuff ready, and somebody had 116 k's an hour. That's in a car. And I was thinking... On a bike? That's, it is possible, but it's, you would have to be... You're dying. Yeah, it would be serious. To this person's credit, sorry, I haven't got your name here because it's not up there any longer. Uh, I went onto their page and he was testing a new device and he did say in there that this device is not reading correctly. Oh, okay. Uh, 116Ks. I believe 100 with someone, like the Philinator, he got to 100 coming down Mont Ventoux. Really? That's, that's scary, but he said he hit the brakes. That was one of his goals for the camp. But he hit the brakes pretty quickly after that. So, yeah. I don't, know, I, I don't know if that's something that I'd want to even try. No. And Rob Moore, is, uh, Gimme Moore, has obviously improved his biking since Epic Camp France. He's a good, strong biker, but he's a little bit slow on some of the downhills. He got third place this week. Anyway, we weren't supposed to be talking about the speed. Oh, sorry. Okay, We're Graham Toms. About. Graham Toms, just he's the guy who actually put together trainingtrends.com slash Strava slash talk. So just thanks to him because he's a bloody rock star. Okay, so if you want to be a winger of the week, now someone, if you're a graphic artist or you've got that skill set in front of you, um... What I want you to do? Come up with an image. Come up with an image that someone could put on their Facebook page. Bit of an inside joke, but we don't want it to the big winger on yeah. here. Okay? <laughs> so. Not everybody listens to the show that's on Facebook. Yeah, people are like, what's with that picture? Oh, I'm on the winger. Okay. <laughs> here we go. Sponsor. Extreme Endurance. Okay, John, you put up a graph. You put up an infograph. I have. I'm going to have to lean over to read my graph. Double blind, placebo controlled, cross over study shows extreme endurance versus the placebo for 10 days. Six times lower levels of CK. Uh, 39% reduction in oxidative stress. And 26% reduction in lactic acid. So basically, your performance increases when you use extreme endurance. Your performance increases and your recovery increases as well, which is going to help your performance for your future races. So yeah. had a number of guys using it down in uh, Challenge Wanaka, and they were loving it. And a number of people are getting their last-minute orders in for Ironman New Zealand, which is oh, only really? a few days away. <laughs> I said somebody saying, oh, I've only got seven tablets left. I need to get some more. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, look, it helps your performance, helps your recovery, which, again, helps you further down the track. Check it out, xendurance.com. Remember the promo code IMTALK20. And and you guys get a fantastic discount. Uh, so check it out at xendurance.com or there is a .co.uk or the 
EU website for you guys over in Europe. Okay, John, we've got questions and answers. And we've got a, we've got a, we've got a, the Mountain Snail sent through a website of the week and he said, look, it's a guarantee this week. It is. And there's a reason and you're going to find out really soon. But first of all, basically just, uh, there's a young, young director in your world, John. There is. Tell us about it. Thomas, the Lego master. Thomas, the Lego master. And, and, and uh, the Mountain Snail said he's the successor to Brett Sutton. His insight into the psychology and suffering and endurance sport is second only to Dr. John Hallamans, apparently who coached uh, Tyrone Hallier uh, in the oh. half iron. There was an article on stuff. On, did I say this last week or not? Yeah, yeah. well, you quickly mentioned it, but where you go. Yeah. So anyway, he's saying... Uh, John's not getting the credit. No, I'm not getting the credit. Yeah, athlete beat you, <laughs> and you, get, you don't even get the credit. Anyway, Mount Snow was confident this one's going to get through. The, the funny thing is, the, the better story is that the athlete beat the coach. Exactly. You know, that's the funny story, isn't it? Yeah. That you were winning, and then he took over the coach. Yeah. So basically, on Facebook the other day, I put up Thomas's latest creation. He's a, he's a bit of a Lego junkie, and he's now got into... What what do you call those things that he's done? iMovie. He's always made in a Lego movie, basically. Yeah. It's a stop motion. So basically, you use stop motion where you're moving the little Lego parts every every frame, taking lots of photos, and putting it together to make a movie. Mm. And he just did it. And he, he watches a lot That's of these things on, online. And uh, I just said, we'll take that camera over there. And he just started doing it. He's, he, we've done things on iMovie before. And he was just dragging it all, and he did it all himself. He just needed a couple of help getting some music on there. And uh, so if you've want to, if you got kids and you want to check out a little Lego clip by a nine-year-old boy, and he wants more likes and he wants more subscribers, and he's now got his own YouTube channel. Oh, Thomas Newson, he's got nine subscribers. Yeah. And Although I wasn't happy with one comment. You know, Mount Snail has got written in his comments here. He's got, great job, much better than your dad's podcast. <laughs> Bloody Mount Snail, what's all that about? So if you've got any kids who are into Lego, go and check it out. And also just tell them that they can do it too. That's what that's what I love about this generation is that the build up with the creative tools that we never had and it's going to be really fascinating to watch kids like Thomas as they move into their life. So it's just good stuff. Um, if you guys got any questions, we're a bit, bit thin on questions. This time of year is a bit quiet on racing. So if you've got any questions on maybe what I'm doing with training or anything, anything related uh, anything related to Bevan's little world that he's got, um, flick them through and we'll try to get them. And, and one, one of the things I like about the show is if we don't know an answer, I'll often go off and try to find somebody who we can get who's got some expertise in that area so we can uh, have some really cool topics on the show. So flick through any questions you might have. Okay. Patrons. Now, Brody Edge. Have you got a nickname? Because I've got an idea. We've given, I'm pretty sure we've given you a nickname, so uh -huh. flick it through if you if we have, but Bevan's got a backup one here. Well, I'm going to go with the tree. The tree. The tree. Because um, Brody Tree is a restaurant. <laughs> but right. then, but then a tree can't be moved. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, it's a Brody tree. You know, Brody okay. tree edge. So that's why I went with that one. So, okay. But they may have a nickname already because obviously we've got the photo. We have, and he's yeah. got a. He's lying. Oh, he's chair, looking sophisticated. It's obviously like a wedding day. Yeah. And I just think I forgot to record it. He's all pensive. Oh, he's got the he's got the bow tie, but it's a kind of a little kind of tartan one. Yeah. Oh, the guy's sharp, ladies. A 26-year-old guy from Geelong in Victoria. I work as a building designer and I've been type 1 diabetes for 14 years. Well, over the last four or five years, I've completed in a few short course races as a way to keep myself fit over the summers when I haven't been playing Aussie rules football. Oh, that's a great sport. I decided to hang up the boots and turn my focus into long-distance triathlon. This season, I completed the Ballarat and Geelong 70.3s on my radar and will scope out how my diabetes reacts to an effort before I lay out to commit to a full Ironman. So, you know, overcome some pretty big adversity. Fantastic. And looks bloody sharp. Excellent. So, Next one is Jason Girk from Sydney, Australia. Oh, Girk. Now, uh, 
Yeah, you think One Google, thing, don't you? But I went onto his Athlinks page and awesome Ironman time, 9.39. Charlotte. Oh, Makes me But his half time is only 6 for 57. Oh, that's no, sorry, sorry, sorry. 4.57. Oh, I was going to say, that's a massive <laughs> contrast. You take yeah. 9.30 to do a full 6.50 to do a 7 and a half. So, awesome Ironman. Well, on Athlinks, Jason, if you're not on Athlinks, you need to get on here because you're in the top 11% of all Ironman results on Athlinks. Very impressive. Yeah. Are you thinking Gert's not going along the Gherkin line, or do you think that's going to be that will yeah, be done? Yeah, it's got to be Gherkin. School, school, school it's got to be Gherkin. But but what's something that's good about a Gherkin? You could call him the Big Mac because there's a Gherkin and a Big Mac. Big Mac. Okay, Big Mac Jason Gherk. That's what we used to do at McDonald's when we were kids. You'd go to McDonald's, take, take the Gherkin out, <laughs> throw it on the McDonald's window, <laughs> stick there for days. Oh, no, you were trouble. We, at my stag do, this is funny, at my stag do, Cam, the guy I work with, <laughs> I think you said was a bully when he was a I kid. wasn't a nice kid. So. <laughs> and Cam's quite a big unit nowadays. He wasn't back in those days. Cam's, Cam's the guy I work with, and he's, he's like a gorilla, seriously, he's, mm. he's a gorilla. And uh, John goes, oh, I got John, you know, Cam, you went to school, didn't you? Cam goes, yeah, John picked on me all the time. No, I didn't pick on him. I, he goes... I, I used to um, I pile drived him on the, <laughs> oh, high no, on, the, on the high school mats. If you don't know what a pile driver is, if you haven't watched Superstars of Wrestling, who did the pile drive? Don the Rock Morocco. Uh, Don the Rock Morocco. Yeah. And yeah. so you basically put someone upside down. You put the <laughs> you head, the head between your legs, and they're upside down. So the legs up in the air, and then you just drop them down on their head on the ground. We used to do great Superstars of Wrestling oh, on the high jump mats. Those great times. So you know, I knew some. You was, you was a bully. Basically, I was a <laughs> dork at school. Uh, don't judge kids when they're younger. We're all idiots when we're younger. Okay, Jombo sponsors. Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme. Your lactic buffer. And our patrons. And our patrons, are just absolute rock stars, and we love you for supporting the show. If you aren't a patron and you really want to support us in what we're doing, the show's grown a lot in the last six months, like mm, almost hugely. doubled. Yeah, you know, which is pretty massive because we've got a big audience. Um, so it's been really cool to see the progress. And if you are new to what we do, patronage just helps us do what we do and you know keeps doing what we're you know, doing in the long term so it's really cool and you go on the draw to get to Kona every second year yeah totally dude totally dude all expenses party on Wayne yeah <laughs> uh, John what's your goss what's my goss back into regular training this week which is kind of cool uh, Bevan have you stained your deck I know Bosley's love us staying that stuff have oh John I stained my deck you have yeah and you know what I did I'm a real weak man John I went and bought a spray gun to do it yeah but tell you what this is been, I've been married for how long two and a half weeks yeah <laughs> DIY is not good for marriage. Yeah. Because oh. we, because Joe, Joe, we bought this because last time I painted my deck, yeah. I, I spent a lot of time stroking the deck, you know, yeah. and just, and but the bit that got my head in was the edges. Right. Because if you use a brush, you can do the top bit pretty quickly, but the yeah. edges took me like four hours. Yeah. So I was like, I'm not doing it. Did, the, did Joe assist in stroking the deck? I mean, straight. Yeah, she was, deck. last time she stroked it really well. Yeah. And, uh, and so, so the deck, so yeah, so this time we got the spray gun and, I wanted to figure out how the spray gun worked work before I started. So I'm trying to solve this problem and Joe's trying to do prep and we we discovered afterwards, John, we didn't communicate that well before right. we started. And there was a bit of tension in the relationship the deck <laughs> was being spray painted slash painted. Um, but the deck, yep, the deck's looking good, John. If you want to go have a rub on my deck, it's quite, quite oily <laughs> right now because we're using right. oil-based. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, the deck's looking good. Pretty happy yes. with the deck. Only one coat. Only one coat. Because spray gun puts so much on. Because it's such a thin paint. I would have thought you would have wanted more work on your well, deck. Well, I might put some more work <laughs> on my deck today. Uh, what's your goss? What's my goss? Yeah, as I said, I was back into training this week. It's one of those things when you taper for a race, 
and then you kind of recover for a race. Last week was pretty ineffective, and uh, it's just going to be good to get back into training. Did some chin-ups last night. Me and the Phil Nader said, Phil Nader. What brought chin-ups on? Well, I want to get, I'm getting back into my, I've got to focus on my running. That was always part of the plan. Focus on the bike through to about um, to Wanaka, and then do a bit of a run block before sort of bringing it all together. So bringing back in my running and bringing in some plyometrics. And when I do my plyometrics and stuff, we go down to the park and I usually have, you know, two or three exercises together. So I'll yep. typically do, say, an abs exercise, uh, a leg exercise and an upper body exercise. And so moving my leg exercise to more plyometrics things, so a lot more jumping and what have you. And then, uh, and then the upper body, I've got to get back to the chin-ups. And the first time doing chin-ups in a long time, my God, it was pathetic. You can do jumping chin-ups. Sorry? You jump and then you do the eccentric. So oh, you jump up yeah. and then slow because you think it's where you get more strength. So you mm. jump up and just come down really slowly and so really and you can work your full range then. Oh yeah, and get your heart rate up too. Yep. I'll see if that's practical down on the uh, down at the park. Yeah, I did a big jump. Oh, good. Yeah. Uh, so that's all good. And going out for a ride straight after this. Had a four k swim sets this morning. Set some new personal worst times. I think. Oh, wow, after, you really after, are. This road's looking good. After doing those jumps last night, I was like, I don't think the swim's going to be pretty. Well, tight job, doesn't it? So your length. Oh god, it was woeful this morning. Yeah. And then even it makes it worse. I love my Garmin. Really love my Garmin nine twenty. And the problem is with the new one, you press your lap button and you got to press it again when you start. And with you the forget. old one. You just press lap and it takes a lap and if you forget to press it, well, it just keeps on getting your distance. And I finished this 400, looked at my watch, see what time was, and I hadn't pressed it. Uh. Oh, other than that, Bevan, um, we had the Wheatbix Kiwi Kids Triathlon down nope. here at the weekend. Kids did that. Cam Brown was out handing a medal, so oh, it must cool. be on uh, taper time for him, I guess. It started raining, which wasn't great. Well, it was um, on Sunday, was it? Yeah. Because Saturday was beautiful. And then I had a big day on Saturday um, chopping down trees around my house wasn't the best neighbour started chopping a little bit of the neighbour's trees oh, really? so I was like, mm. and then he came around later on it was a neighbour I've never met before it was way over oh, and even he like was that. he was cool about it he was really cool but he says oh, he probably, and I obviously look I really shouldn't have done it I just got carried away and uh, yeah chopped a little bit down there so I took away a little bit of their privacy <gasps> he was cool about it though. he came around yeah. when he knocked on the door what do you think I kind of I thought oh, I think I know he's going to be knocking on the door <laughs> And uh, but he was very good about it. It's right next to our pool, so. Well, yeah. see, we've because we're on the hill, so they can lose our view. Mm. So that one there, if that goes, you know, we, great we, podcasting. When yeah, you're well, no, but it's it's you know, and those ones there. But luckily, we've got good neighbours who understand because mm. every kind of couple of years we have to pay to get a you know arborist around, and they actually just go around and chop them down. But all our neighbours are happy to do that. Mm. But apparently, the guy in front, he he, I think he did invented click clack. Right. So he's got a pretty, he's got a lot of money, yeah, and uh, and he's got a pretty impressive property. But he won't let anyone touch the trees on his property, and so it ruins people's view. You know, it's one of the problems on the hills. You get trees in front of you. So, but luckily we're great neighbours. John, I've had technology failures this week as well. I've told oh, John about this before the show. So the other day I was at yeah. the gym, and you know what? My iPhone case had broken. And you know why? Because I've been doing that bloody uh, that, um, heart rate variability. Yeah. So I always take it off every morning and it broke. And so I didn't have a iPhone case and I was going to get one on the Friday. I thought it's okay. But they're so slippery without their cases. Yeah. So I dropped it at the gym. I broke my screen. So, Ooh! And I was like, you know what? So be it. $200 later, get it fixed. Got myself a new case. Pretty yeah. happy. Cases work because if you drop them, you know, you put his face. Well, yesterday I'm working on my computer. I had my laptop on my on my printer and I must have... Just accidentally tapped my laptop. Laptop fell onto my desk, landed on my iPhone, broke my screen twice in three days. I wasn't happy, John. Oh, I can, uh, I can. Because it's just happiness. money for nothing. Mm-hmm. Like four hundred dollars. Mm. Mm. So, it. oh well, such is life. 
Training update, Bevan, is, is running? Yep, so I start my main, I start my, main, my marathon program starts today, or started this week. So I'm, I'm doing a very slow approach to a marathon. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of thinking Sydney Marathon. Okay. So that's September. Yeah. I've got to qualify for New York this year, and I think I have to do 255. So it should be achievable. Yeah. Um, but I'm taking a really slow approach. So basically, till June, I'm not going to, by June, I want to be running two and a half, three hours. Mm-hmm. But I'm really taking a lot. So I'm going to, because my problem is I run too hard and too long too early. Mm-hmm. And so I tend to get injured. So I'm, I'm literally doing 45 minute runs right now, three times a week, and then just going to build, build, build. I don't want to run too much on, on holiday when we do our honeymoon. Mm-hmm. So I just want to have, you know, Run for enjoyment, but not have a program. I'm going to be working you to the bone anyway. Give me the bone, and then when I get back, do a good kind of ten week block. So we'll see what happens. But at this stage, it's just enjoying some running. So fantastic. You, go to, you know, there's a long time away. Awesome. Let's wrap it up, Jombo. Unru- Unrust. I mean, don't train hard. Train smart. Kick her.